Hello friends, this is David White, and I'm just popping in really quick at the front of this episode to say if you like the character of Dr. Fusion, you could go to our Patreon, pledge $5 a month to hear an exclusive, extensive interview with the player behind Dr. Fusion about what direction they want to take Dr. Fusion, what goals they have, the powers, the abilities, uh, the future of the character, all that good stuff. If you would like to know more about Dr. Fusion, go to our Patreon, give $5 a month, and help our network grow by doing so. However you choose to enjoy this episode, I do hope that you enjoy it! Hello friends, my name is Occam, and you are listening to Tales to Inspire. As we open up this issue of Dr. Fusion number zero, we see uh, an exterior shot of a building, just a typical white kind of blocky building. There are a lot of black Fords out in front of it, and there is a banner hanging above the double wooden doors leading into this place, and printed on the banner in big black blocky letters uh, are the words, uh, NYU Science Conference. And in the corner of this little panel, we see a yellow box that says Science Convention, New York City, February 1941. And in the next panel, we see an interior shot of this science convention. We see multiple booths and sections set up on tables with white uh, tablecloths. We see devices and diagrams, people in lab coats. Um, we see people walking up and down the aisles looking at different items. Uh, and then in the next panel, we see kind of a stage, an elevated stage that has been set up. Um, and we see people in wooden chairs down on the floor looking up. And uh, who do we see on the stage? 
Yeah, so walking to the podium on the stage um, is a man in his mid to late 30s, graying in his hair a little bit, a little bit longer curlyish hair, uh, wearing a brown wool suit with just kind of very modest and a, uh, a brown, a matching brown um, fedora. He walks up to the podium, takes off his hat, and sets it to the side of it. Um, hello, I am Dr. Leslie Lippold of the Oregon State University. I am here to present my findings for plutonium nuclear fission energy production. And he reaches reaches under the podium and grabs a like big one of those big. Um, pointer wand things. If you could um, put in the first slide, please. And then uh, the slide goes up and he starts pointing to various things on the on the thing and just explaining all these um, what looks like complex calculations and uh, a couple of like diagrams of potential uh, designs. So as, as we see Leslie Leipholt uh, showing these slides and talking about all this scientific gobbledygook that uh, a comic book writer is totally just spewing out because they don't know anything about science. Um, we we turn to a panel and we see like a booth where people are presenting some different things, and we just see a shadowy hand walk by and grab one of the devices and keep walking out of the panel. And then in the next panel, we are back on the stage. What are you showing the audience now, Leslie? Um, the slide shows uh, more calculations and a couple of elements from the periodic table, and then a like a symbol, like it would be on the periodic table, with a question mark in it. The only thing missing from this is the theoretical material that would be used for for this fusion design as you can see here with these calculations this potential element could be used to facilitate energy on a scale that we have never seen and then in the next panel we see that shadowy hand picking up something else from another booth and walking out of frame with it we're back at the panel with leslie's presentation and we see a news reporter down on the uh, front row raise their hand. Um, yes. Yes, Arthur Adams with the New York Times. Uh, professor Liebholt. Uh, doctor, I am not a professor. Ah, sorry about that. And you see he scratches out something on his little pad. Uh, and then he keeps talking. Uh, in your opinion, what is the humanitarian benefit of your experiment? With the... Right application, this could be used to power cities with no issue. Entire cities? The reporter repeats, astounded. Entire cities with little to no environmental impact. And you see the reporter is quickly scribbling things down on his notepad. And you see some other hands uh, lift up from the audience. And as they do, we see a text a bubble uh come up over the audience you let a Nazi come into America and 
make a weapon right under our noses. And all the reporters and attendees in this audience turn around and look at the back of the audience. And we see this man uh, with combed over hair. Uh, He is white. Uh, He has a uh, brown jacket, white button-up shirt, slacks, shoes. Um, And he is pointing straight at Leslie as he is yelling. I think the next panel has those speed lines, as in it, as if it quickly zoomed in on Leslie's face. Mm-hmm. And he just has like a look of confusion, and not not really concern. Just gives a strange look. He's a filthy German Nazi. The man keeps going. Him and all those like him are here to undermine our republic our democracy and I say to hell with them I assure you I do not align myself with those of my countrymen who chose to spearhead the ideas of prejudice and murder I look only for the positive outlook of our future as American citizens then how do you explain that you have rigged up a device using your technology and your research to destroy this entire facility? And we see like little text bubbles pop up around the peripheries of the panel. What? What do you say? An explosion? That's right. This Nazi has placed a bomb somewhere in this facility and it's going to detonate any moment. And then we see more text bubbles pop up. Bomb? Bomb? At this point, Leslie kind of looks around. Just like eyes darting from device to device across the room. Yeah, and uh, now people are starting to get up from their seats, wordly looking at each other. This guy continues to yell at you. This hot-blooded American continues to yell at you, yelling at everybody. This is what happens when we allow them into our country and then we see a stampede of people rushing knocking over tables running Uh, and that person you see him we see a panel of him standing with all these people rushing around him and then somebody passes in front of him and he's gone mingled into the crowd then we have a panel of Leslie standing on the stage Leslie what are you doing uh, Leslie sees the crowd running and jump, like, hops off the stage and starts running to, from exhibition to exhibition, just searching for whatever, listening for anything that would tip him uh, on what mm-hmm. is happening and what device has been activated or whatever's going on. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and roll and examine. So roll and add your investigate to it. Hey, that's pretty good. That's a 10. That's a 10. All right. You can ask me three questions from this list. Um, what happened here recently? What is about to happen? What danger should I be on the lookout for? What here is useful or important? Who's really in control here? What here is not what it appears to be? I guess, what danger should I be on the lookout for? Uh, So looking around, you're looking, some of the tables have been flipped, 
and looking underneath a table that was kind of near the space where you were giving your lecture, you see this kind of oblong, thrown-together object. Uh, And you see it just kind of steadily blinking with a red light, a telltale red light. What here is not what it appears to be? Um, this bomb, uh, I mean, you already know this, but this bomb was not made by you. And it looks like it was cobbled together from different items in this area. So, one, this man must be some sort of scientist himself to have been able to cobble this together from the pieces here. And two... That man must have made it. Um, okay, what here is useful or important? This is a science fair, so I think there must be like a table nearby that has tools that you can use to defuse this bomb. And as part of the examine move, uh, you get a plus one forward when you act on the answers. So when you use the information I gave you to act how you like to deal with it you get a plus one forward which mm-hmm. is basically just a plus one to your next roll about it okay um so what are you gonna do i leslie runs forward to the device first to inspect it um, to see what kind of what needs to be done to deactivate it yeah and you're looking over there's a mismatch of wires some of the parts are not completely attached there's just some sort of epoxy that is attaching different parts kind of loosely um and as you're turning it over looking at it wondering how you can shut it down um we turn the page and as we turn the page we see a new scene a new panel and up in the top uh, corner of this panel we see a yellow box that says Oregon State University 1940 uh, and we see an exterior shot of Oregon State University and then we have another panel inside and uh, Occam could you describe what does uh, Leslie's office look like uh, yeah Leslie has a very minimalist office. Um, there's a, a simple wooden desk with a um, with a wooden desk chair, not the most comfortable, but effective for what he needs it for. There's a um, like a small leather sofa along one wall, uh, and his various degrees. Uh, hung on the wall over that sofa. Um, But other than that, there are very few decorations. There's a bookshelf with some books, but nothing else really. Um, Just a very simple office. Uh, Behind the desk is a one of those glass windows that are um, shatterproof glass. Um, Okay. And a doorway. Uh, And through the shatterproof glass, you can see some tables and kind of a larger machine behind uh, another wall of that um, that shatterproof glass. Cool. Um, 
And and what is Leslie doing in his office? He's actually fiddling with some uh, some wires, looking at a at a page of calculations and piecing together bits and pieces of this uh, machinery. It's it's on a it's on a um, it's like on one of those metal wheeled carts. Um, and he's just doing some final adjustments before moving it into the larger lab. Okay. And I think at that point, one of your research assistants, one of the students here at uh, Oregon State University, walks in and uh, he has a clipboard uh, and he holds it out to you. Uh, Professor Leopold, uh, here are the most recent readings from this morning. Uh, excellent. Are they ready downstairs? Uh, yes, they are. And um, some military men have arrived as well. You see Leslie's shoulders like visibly slump as he as he kind of rolls his eyes a little bit. <laughs> <sighs> the troubles of scientific progress. Very well. Here, he hands him uh, another stack of uh, papers. Uh, he just kind of sets it on top of his clipboard and grabs the handles of this cart and starts to push it out. You continue to walk as you're looking at the clipboard and you're pushing the device. Uh, and here's a neat idea. Is there an elevator that takes you down from your office to where the the device is at? Or is it just like you go out this onto the catwalk where it is? Yeah, I like that. I just go out onto the catwalk, and then there's uh, like a lift uh, on one end of the catwalk that I take down. Okay. Yeah, so you you walk out onto the catwalk, um, and there's that lift, and it takes you down. uh, And as it is taking you down, you hear some gruff voices uh, approaching you. And you look over, and you see the military men that have been sent here in their brown uniforms with the medals on their chest, uh, hats held in their hands, walking towards you. Colonel Leslie Groves. He holds out his hand very stiffly. He tentatively, slowly puts his hand in his and, and grasps it. Like, it's a very, he's very gentle with it. He's not a very, he doesn't have a firm handhold when it comes to handshakes. Uh, Dr. Leslie Liebholt. And one of the colonel's attendants say, Jesus, they're letting a kraut work on this thing? Is that the problem? Uh, and he looks back at you and says, I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, your people are kind of making a big fuss over in Europe right now. Not my people. And the colonel says, What do you have to show us today, doctor? He um, gestures to the device... Uh, so you walk towards the device. It is this huge mess of uh, conduits and valves and science-y things. Very comic book science fiction It's huge. It takes up two stories. And uh, like maybe there's like a little slot for you to insert the device into that you were working on in your office. Yeah. Uh, there's. I'd say there's uh, a space where two of the conduits... Um, sit to the side and I slide the device in and twist on a couple of couplings that connect them to those conduits Mm -hmm. this here if it works is a um 
Well, it is the future of industry and power in our society. The colonel looks over your device. And according to your research, you believe this could fuel an entire city? In this form, maybe not. Perhaps a few blocks. But I have... I have ideas. They are not here. They are not yet finished. And that attendant that was so xenophobic towards you earlier says, well, the government's sending quite a bit of money over to your little operation for you to do a lot more than power a few blocks, doctor. These things take time. The government is not nothing but patient. Am I right? The colonel kind of chuckles at that. Um, and he walks over and he's looking at like this control panel with all of these knobs and dials and readouts. Uh, and he's looking over it. And uh, he points at one readout and it's like a little... Uh, I want to say a volume meter, but that's not correct. But it's this little meter... Uh, that's trending very high and it's kind of like in the red or like going yellow dipping into red territory and he points at it and he says uh, doctor what is uh, this uh, Leslie looks over it it's a little higher than normal it's still within safe parameters for the most part I will have to look into it and Leslie, you remember in that moment that you never finished looking at the clipboard. Yeah. Uh, I pull the clipboard out and start looking over it. Yeah, you're looking over it, and something has changed overnight. Uh, the numbers are nowhere near where they should be, and they are trending towards very dangerous levels in multiple areas. Um, so yes, right now it's in a safe, it's in safe parameters, like you said, but if it keeps trending like it is, it could very well become unstable right underneath Oregon State University. I call my, um, uh, the, the lab assistant over. Mm-hmm. What, what, did you touch something? This is very, um... These are not right. Uh, yes, sir. I, I realize that, which is why I brought them to you as, as soon as I found them. Uh, I, I have not touched anything. Uh, I, I can pull up the logs and see who was here uh, overnight. And he just kind of leans in and says, And with these radiation levels rising, uh, should these men be this close? You're probably right. Gentlemen, I'm afraid we're going to have to cut this short. Something is very wrong here, and it could be dangerous. We will have to do this another day. And he just walks away from them and begins to look at the clipboard, go over to different areas of the machine, and try to figure out what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I think your assistant, like the that brusque uh, military attendant, says, what do you mean we'll have to? And the attendant says, if you come this way, we can look at some projections and diagrams that the good doctor has uh, come up with. And he leads him to that lift, back up to the catwalk. You're looking at the levels, checking them with the clipboard. Um, and there there are other lab assistants down here, uh, kind of working and checking and rotating valves and things. Uh, and I think we have a panel of you, like, 
dismissing them, sending them up to the catwalk to leave. Uh, and you continue to check these levels. And as you do, you see a lab attendant is close to the device. And they obviously have not heard your warnings. Hmm. Um... I see the the meters rising uh, even more, and I walk over to this lab assistant. You must leave. Uh, this is getting dangerous. Uh, and as you say that, uh, the woman turns around, and you do not recognize her. She is not one of your assistants. She's not even college age. And as she turns and looks at you, there's a commotion up on the catwalk. There's a door to your office, but there's also a door to another part of the facility. It is kicked open. We see two soldiers walk in, in their military fatigues. Uh, and they have, in between them, they have this person in all dark clothing. Uh, messy hair, kind of a scraggly, unkempt beard. A Tommy gun is stowed at his side, thrown over his shoulder. And they are dragging him, just kicking and screaming, Don't you know who I am? Get your hands off me! And the soldiers say, We found someone snooping around, Colonel. Uh, and the Colonel starts walking towards him. Uh, and you, you see that commotion. You look back down at the woman at the device. Uh, she starts to get closer to it. Who are you? What are you doing? And more commotion up on the catwalk. Uh, the man with the Tommy gun punches one of the soldiers in the face, freeing his arm. He grabs a Tommy gun and goes to mow down the soldiers, your assistant, and the colonel and his men. But that other soldier grabs the gun and kind of twists it up in a way. And the bullets fly towards the device. You see them perforate the metal casing where the dangerous radioactive isotopes are held. And then there is an explosive blast that blinds you. You lose sight of the woman beside you, but you can see her falling and deteriorating apart. And I think we also see the the radiation wash over Leslie. And uh, what like what dark outline do we see in this panel before we turn the page of the radiation hitting Leslie? Um. Leslie has been knocked to the floor by the blast. He's crawling towards the um, the device that he had pushed into the middle of it. He's like trying to move toward it. Mm. And I think the next panel is black and blank. And we turn the page. And once again, we are inside the Science Convention Center back in New York City in 1941. Leslie is uh, next to this device. Um, and now, Leslie, I think we need to... Man, I don't know. If this was sitting miss, I'd say take the risk. Let's do a seize control. So, uh, roll 2d6, uh, and let's do... Uh, let's add your investigate. I think that makes the most sense here. Uh, that is 7 plus 2, so it's a 9. It's a 9. So on a 7 through 9, choose 1. You seize control over what was contested. You prevent yourself from ending up at a disadvantage or in harm's way. Or you put your opponent at a disadvantage. 
Well, I feel like I have to seize control over what was contested. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so, Leslie, describe for us how do you defuse this bomb? So, grabbing the tools from the from the table beside, Leslie opens up the a panel on the on the device and sees uh, a number of wires um, connected to a central um, timer that is counting down. He takes some. Uh, wire cutters from the kit snips one of the wires the counter doesn't stop so he grabs the wire and you just see this very slight spark between his fingers go into the wire and then a whole then the uh, electricity kind of sparks through several other wires and then the timer just pops um and it starts to smoke a little bit but the bomb is diffused Perfect. And then we have a panel of Leslie standing up. Uh, the crowd of people is still fleeing out of this convention center. And you quickly scan the area and you see that man that made this bomb running in an opposite direction from the rest of the crowd, going towards a hallway leading further into the convention center. What do you do? Yeah, so I see him running that way and I... Uh, calmly but swiftly walk up onto the stage and around the side and grab a slightly dented and discolored metal briefcase. I lay it down on the ground, uh, take a key from my belt, unlock it, and then and flip it open. You see like that foam egg crate material um, with a pair of long metal sandals but they have like a long metal piece along the bottom of them going down and and kind of curving and then uh a what looks like a metal gauntlet that is covered in all these little um copper tubing and has like this hard metal plate at the at where the fist would be uh connected to what looks like hydraulics uh, a pair of, of goggles, like welding goggles. And uh, underneath all of that is like a greenish brown um, jumpsuit. Perfect. And then we turn the page and we see that man sprinting down a white brick hallway. Uh, huffing, huffing, huffing. Uh, and then we see him throw himself against this metal door that flies open. And we see the exterior of this convention center. And we see the crowd of people rushing off in one direction. And he uh, runs to the sidewalk and starts sprinting away from everybody else, huffing, huffing, huffing. And as he is running, what happens? The panel changes to the door again, closed. And then the next panel is it flying open at forearm first as he pushed into the door. Uh, you see the same curly, graying hair, uh, goggles in a greenish brown jumpsuit, rushing forward, that large gauntlet on one fist, standing a little taller than he was because as he runs, these metal spur things underneath his feet. Uh, push him forward with more speed and you see tiny little spits of smoke out of the side of these uh, boots as he as he sprints forward yeah and I think he turns around hearing that loud noise and seeing you rushing towards him he goes to fumble with the revolver 
that is in his uh, jacket pocket to pull it out to attack you. Uh, he's just one dude. Uh, he is not a threat to you. So just describe for us how do you take out this guy. Okay. Um, so he fumbles with his gun, and Dr. Fusion stops and just looks at him and allows him to pull the gun up. And the guy pulls the gun up kind of shakily, and then you see the muzzle flare, and Dr. Fusion vanishes from view and then appears right in front of the guy, um, grabs the gun with his gauntleted fist and crushes it and then throws it to the ground mm. and grabs the guy from by the shoulder. Are we done? Uh, and we have a panel of this dude looking at you with, like, sweat dripping down his face. And he's stammering and saying, who, 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 who are you? And then we turn the page to see the final uh, page of this issue with Dr. Fusion holding the man up off the ground, his boots kind of stilted and elevating him up off the cement, uh, just holding this guy in one hand. And we see a text bubble coming off of Dr. Fusion's mouth. My name is Dr. Fusion. And the logo Dr. Fusion is huge and bold in the comic book text bubble. And then down in the corner of this page, we see Dr. Fusion's story will continue and tells to inspire issue one. End of issue. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Tales to Inspire. We'll be back with our next episode in two short weeks. If you have social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Like and follow us at Misconceptions Pod for up-to-date information about the show, behind-the-scenes pictures, and just to show us your general positive feelings about the show. We also have a Discord. You can click the link below to join our Discord so that you can chat with other friends of the show and chat with other cast members directly. We also have an email. If you'd like to contact us that way, you can email us at misconceptionspod at gmail.com. This show is fully supported by the generous monthly donations of our patrons on Patreon. If you would like to join that elite group of supporters and gain access to exclusive content, please consider joining our Patreon. The Tells to Inspire theme song was composed by Esteban Del Pino. You can find out more about his music on fiverr.com slash IAM underscore W-A-K-E. Dr. Fusion was played by Occam Razor, who can be found at Occam Sockam Robo on Twitter. And I'm David White, your editor-in-chief. You can find me at Mr. Banana Socks on Twitter. The role-playing game system used in this production was a modified version of the Worlds in Peril role-playing game by Sam Joko Publishing. Tales to Inspire is a product of the Misconceptions Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and buy cool merch at misconceptionspod.com. And that's it for this week's episode of Tales to Inspire. Thank you so much for listening, and keep it nerdy, y'all. Mm-hmm.